talk about the significance of fasting. And fasting is not a real popular subject. I tried, there's little sources that I go to as a pastor uh, to look for illustrations. There's illustration books that I have in my library, and then there's some places online that I could go. And man, I find illustrations for all kinds of stuff, but not for fasting. It's not that popular um, among us, and there might be certain reasons for that. But um, let's look in Matthew chapter 6. <clears throat> I remember Brother, Brother Youngblood did, when we were doing the Sermon on the Mount last year, Brother Youngblood did this section in Matthew 6, and he taught, he taught about fasting. And I think he said something like this, Brother Youngblood, it doesn't mean that you eat faster. I think that's what he said. You know. That's not what it means. And fasting doesn't mean you run fast. It just it means something else here. All right? So what I'd like to do, we'll read this in a minute. What I'd like to do, there's four questions that I have regarding fasting. And I, my plan is to just answer the two tonight and then um, the other ones on Wednesday. All right? <clears throat> and those questions are this. What is fasting? Why should I consider fasting? I'm sorry, I want to do these first three tonight. What is fasting exactly? Why should I consider doing it? Which really, the set, that question leads to the second question is, what is the purpose of fasting? And that really is where we spend most of our time. What is the purpose of this? And then the fourth question is, how should I fast? Is there a right way of going about that if I do it? Is there a right and wrong way? And there actually is, and some of that Jesus teaches on here about being insincere. So let's just begin by hearing the words of our Lord. His ministry began, uh, I'm sorry, right before his, no, it was right after, right after he was baptized. In Matthew 4 and then Luke 4, it's recorded. Um, his public ministry began with a fast, and it was led by the, Lord, by the Holy Spirit in Matthew 4. But here in Matthew chapter 6, the first part of the chapter, verse 1, talks about giving alms. He tells us how to do that. Verse 5 through verse 15, he talks about praying. And then when we get to verse 16, that's what we want to read. Let's look at Matthew 6, 16. He talks about fasting. And he says, when ye fast, the idea is he is expecting at some level, at some frequency, it to be a practice. And we're not gonna, there's no legalistic formula to, to say when and how often, but uh, it's something we ought to take up. Matthew 6, let's listen to what Jesus says, verse 16, 17, and 18. Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head, and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast but unto thy Father, which is in secret. And thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. I love that phrase right there. That God, the Father, is interested in us fasting, and He's interested in rewarding us. Isn't that a blessing right there? That right there is a, a, a nudge for me. That if I take it sincerely, if I take it as Jesus teaches here, and understand it. And the idea here, the gist is, you know, don't be a show-off. 
That doesn't mean you have to like never tell anybody ever that you're fasting. It's not. It's the idea of don't be so overt and show off. But Jesus says if you just be discreet about it, and um, your father that sees in secret will openly reward you for that uh, pursuit that you had in fasting, that extra time you wanted to put into prayer, or that one thing you were trying to get victory over, that answer to prayer, or that uh, besetting sin. He'll reward you openly. That is encouraging to me. Number one, what is fasting? From a secular standpoint, we know of fasting. How many of you ever done the, there's some kind of fast right now for losing weight. Uh, the 18-hour deal? Intermittent fasting. You can only, it's like from 12 to 6 is the only time you can eat or whatever. There's some, uh, 12 to 4, okay. Wow. So you just go to old country buffet or golden corral in that moment, right? No, that's probably not part of it. Uh, so fasting is known. People know about that. They, oh, yeah, you know, some of us are like, yeah, I know about fasting. I had to go do my colonoscopy or whatever that is. I had to fast. Yay, that's fun. Both of them are fun, right, the fasting? And the, anyways, and the, you know, for, if you're going to have surgery, there's a fast that you got to do. Um, it's hard when you're, ladies, my wife, there was something, I mean, she couldn't, what was it you couldn't do, babe? You couldn't eat when you knew you were going in? Oh, for that, yeah, that too. <laughs> but then even when you went in, we, we knew we were going to induce you this last time. They said not to eat, didn't they say not to eat? Okay. That's kind of tough when they tell, well, you're going to go in and give birth. You're going to be burning all these calories and don't eat, by the way. You know. uh, but anyways, I guess it wasn't that tough this time as far as the strictness of it. It was tough to give birth. Don't get me wrong. The strictness of it. So, you know, some people are doing fast to lose weight. That's fine. They're doing a fast to, because they're preparing for surgery. That's fine. Or you're going to have your gestational diabetic test or something else. That's fine. When the Bible speaks of fasting, it's not in the interest of those things, okay? Those are fine. If you want to, yeah, I fast. Okay, that's fine. But the fast we're talking about is in the interest. So what is fasting? It's in the interest of spiritual purposes. Let me just say it clearly. Fasting is a Christian's voluntary, non-coerced abstinence from food or, or, other, or a particular pleasure for spiritual purposes. So it's a voluntary, non-coerced um, abstinence from food or some other type of pleasure for spiritual purposes. That's what scriptural fasting is. Um, in America, it, fasting runs counterculture, counter to America's self-indulgent mindset. We're very indulged at all times, at all chances. And there's times where we should resist indulging. Some people fast just to see if they can keep their body into subjection. And that's not a bad thing. Some people fast to humble themselves. Some people fast to, to seek the Lord. And we're going to look at some of that. Listen to this. Fasting, I've read this. So I'm taking another guy who studied the Bible. I'll be honest, I haven't verified it, but it seems about right. He says, fasting is mentioned in Scripture more than several other doctrines, such as baptism. Uh, baptism is mentioned about 75 times. Fasting is mentioned 77 times. And then he says, most believers have been baptized, but how many have fasted? That's interesting. Fasting in Scripture is almost always associated with prayer. Some feel that it does help our prayers. I think it does. 
Um, again, I want you to understand, just like a lot of things in the New Testament, and I don't know how to say this without, I don't want to sound too, uh, I don't want to sound liberal, but I also don't want to sound legalistic, but there's a lot of things in the New Testament that are voluntary, okay? And this is one of them. Um, in the Old Testament, there was one mandatory day. I've said this. There's a mandatory day of fasting. That was a day of atonement. If you're in Israel, you better do it. It was that day around our October, the day of atonement. They all fasted for one full day. They started the, the sundown the day before and went into it. And uh, it was there's part of they want God wanted to humble them and mourn them to mourn. And that priest went into that temple and offered up that special uh, sacrifice, went into the Holy of Holies that one day and atoned for the whole nation and himself, and it was a serious deal. <clears throat> the Lord Jesus Christ did it, as we mentioned. So what is fasting? Christians' voluntary non-coerced abstinence from food or other pleasures for spiritual purposes. Number two, why should we consider fasting? By the way, I'm bringing this up because I, I'm asking you to, to consider doing it in some form in the next week or two. And also that this would, beyond revival meetings, you'd, you'd kind of have a mindset of when there comes a point in your life, you're like, I think I need to fast. What was the last thing I learned about that? Maybe this will help, okay? Why should we consider it? Number one, just a couple reasons, which actually lead into the third question as well. Godly people in Scripture practice it. Moses did. Tell me, somebody tell me when Moses fasted. Somebody talk back to me. When did Moses not eat or drink for a good while? Went up the mountain. Went up. Yep. No food or water. Whoa. Now, when it said no water, that's, there's a divine mark right there on that. Because you cannot, you can go without food that long without, you know, you can fast like that. But no water, I think I, think I read something, maybe Brother Vasco knows this a little better. Uh, I read something today about if a man sits still, in a, if, his, if he lays down, he's still for like, in, in his body, and it's a cool temperature, he can, he can survive for 12 days without water and like two months without food if he's not moving. It's just like you're nearly frozen, you know, you're just like in the refrigerator or something. I don't know. That's what I read. But that's not normal. No water? So the Lord intervened in that. The Lord Jesus Christ also fasted, right, without food or water. However, there's other fasts. Uh, so Moses did it. David did it. David did it. And um, when uh, we know he probably he did it multiple times. One of the t occasions he did it when he was uh, the child that he had was going to have by Bathsheba was going to die. And he was fasting during that time. Elijah also fasted. He fasted as well. Daniel fasted. And he was seeking the Lord. I, can't, I, I think it may have been 18 days or something. I have to double check that. But he fasted. He was seeking the Lord. You know, the Bible says when Daniel fasted during that time, that there was spiritual conflict that was opposing him. They answered his prayer. That one of the angels came to see Daniel to show him this revelation that was in answer to his prayer. And that angel, when he showed up, he says, you know, the prince of Persia was resisting me. He's holding me back. From this answer to your prayer, that's interesting. There was spiritual conflict that he was um, that was going on behind the scenes. Jesus did. The leaders in Antioch fasted as they prepared to send out church planters, and Paul did as well. 
Why consider it? Godly people in Scripture practice it. Secondly, it's just it's an effective, and I don't mean to sound too pragmatic, but it's an effective spiritual tool. You know, and we're going to get into that in a minute. It humbles us. It can be a means to help us mourn, to help us um, discern God's will, which leads us now to this third question. Number three, to what purpose is fasting? To what purpose? Why in the world should I do this? And I'll, I'll tell you the, three, the four points that I have here. To seek and confirm the Lord's direction, and we'll, we'll go through each one of these. To assist in one's mourning. To assist you, help you mourn. Number three, to assist in one's repentance over sin. And number four, to get a breakthrough over demonic opposition. Those are the three, the four that I see in Scripture. Perhaps you would see another one. Purpose, what is the purpose of fasting? You know, I was reading about, um, it was in 18-something-something, 1877 in Minnesota, maybe some of you, you could actually look this up. I looked it up on, I read it in an illustration book, and then I'm like, wait a minute, sometimes these preachers lie. Let me look this up, you know. <laughs> so I looked it up, and I found some verification of it about a, a problem that they had in the Midwest, the upper Midwest in the 1800s with some locusts. And they are just consuming our fields and our crops. And um, particularly in Minnesota, it's got real bad. And at, by I think it was by 1877 or 1887, two-thirds of Minnesota in the spring had uh, was covered in uh, the locust larva, larvae. I mean, they had, had been coming... There'd been these cycles in these years before, and it's like, oh, this is getting worse, this is getting worse. And, and, there, and men and governments are doing everything they can to counteract this, and I don't know what, what that meant, but they were doing everything they can to counteract it, and it was getting worse and worse and worse. By that, by that spring, it was two-thirds of it was covered, and they're like, these, these eggs are going to pop up, you know, and uh, we're going to see a bunch of locusts. And um, trying to give you the short end of the short version of it, the governor of the state finally declared a day of fasting and prayer. And uh, uh, I don't know what his religious persuasion was, but he did it. And, and let's do this. They basically said, we've, we've, we can't. There's not much we can do. I like it when that happens. I mean, I'm sure it's not fun in a sense when, we're, when, we're, when our economy's not good or things are bad and our, our wallet's uh, empty and but it's good in the sense of, hey, if everybody, it's turning everybody to God, then that's good. Even the government official. And so he asked everybody to fast and pray. And you know, there was a breakthrough uh, that year. And uh, there was a frost that helped kill them. In fact, those eggs came out. I think that's how they knew it was two-thirds. They popped up, and then soon they died from some kind of frost. And uh, they, um, so anyways, that was interesting. They were seeking God's help. Number one, so why, why should I fast? This is probably... The one where I see a lot of the most scriptures. People fast to seek and confirm the Lord's direction. Perhaps that's what the Lord Jesus Christ is doing. You know, He did seek His Father's will. You know, He, Father, what would you have me to do? And He did seek that. And there was, He, in His human uh, nature, He limited Himself. And uh, he took His, he took His uh, commands from the Father. So, okay, so let's look at a couple of scriptures. Look at 2 Chronicles 20, verse 3. 
Jehoshaphat employs fasting. Let's back up. Let's actually look at verse 1, and then we'll read up to verse 3. Actually, verse 3 to four, or three and 4 also. So we'll go to Second Chronicles 20, verse 1. And it came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon with them, with them other beside the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat's king of Judah, by the way. And there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a, a great multitude against thee. From beyond the sea on this side of Syria, and behold, they be in Hazan Tamar, which is in Gedi. Okay, pause right there. Jehoshaphat hears that there's this huge host of enemies coming at him. Whoa, what am I going to do? This is catching me on my heels. Look what he does, verse 3. Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And the Bible says uh, the Lord helped them. They prayed to the Lord. They asked the Lord for His help. And then look what it says. The Lord answers them back. Look at verse 17. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. And the Lord helped them. The Lord gave them victory. What, what I'm saying is they came to a crisis. There are all these enemies coming after them. They're like, what are we going to do? And, um, you know, they, perhaps they already had a preset military strategy, you know, last minute. Um, DEFCON 4 for Israel. I don't know what, they, what it is, you know, where they set themselves. But look, the most important thing they set themselves to do was seek God. This was a spiritual response, and it was accompanied by fasting. And they got a breakthrough. They sought God's help, His direction. Look at Ezra. I like this passage in Ezra. Ezra chapter 8. The next book over. In Ezra's day, there also had a fast. Notice here. This was in, I, I can't remember the exact place. Well, it says the river Ahava when they were still <coughs> in captivity. Look at chapter 8, verse 21, 22, 23. Then I proclaimed a fast there that we might afflict ourselves before God, before God. Ezra 8, 21. Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava, that we might afflict ourselves before our God to seek of Him a right way for us and for our little ones and for all our substance. For I was ashamed to require of the king a band of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy in the way, because we had spoken unto the king, saying, The land of our God is upon all of them for good that seek Him, but His power and His wrath is against all of them that forsake Him. So we fasted. And besought our God for this. And He was entreated of us. Isn't that neat? They had to do their uh, tra uh, uh, traveling, Ezra and a group. And uh, He told the king, now we, God's going to help us. And then He's kind of like, I wonder how God's going to help us. You know? And He said, all right. And so the, He proclaimed to everybody, we're fasting, people. You know? 
We're going we're gonna to do this travel and we're going to travel and we're going to go back and set up the house of God again. We need a right way. God, God direct our way here. Our, our path, our traveling and our strategy and what we do when we get there. And they did. And they, look, I love the phrase, look at the end of verse 21, to seek of him a right way for us and for our little ones and for all our substance. It, it was just like, God, help us. This is, the, this is for me. This is for all the little kids and all the stuff we got. Help us with this. Show us what to do. And so they amplified their prayer with fasting. And it worked. Verse 23, we fasted and besought our God for this, and He was entreated of us. God helped them. God gave them revelation. God gave them a strategy. And, I, you know, I've seen that happen with, um, with people. It's happened with me. Um, you know, when I, there's times where I'll come to a crossroads, and what do I do? And I'll, not every time, but often, employ some kind of fasting to get clear clarity on go left, go right, go forward, stop. What do you want me to do, God? And He helps give me clarity on the decision. Sometimes <coughs> if I know the decision, I'm confident I think God wants me to do this, I'll pause and fast maybe another day or so over that to make sure, confirm. And I believe God honors that. Esther did it. Esther 4.16 will go there. All of the lives of the Hebrews were at stake in this condition. There was a scenario where um, Haman was going to have it to where there'd be a, basically a holocaust on all the Israelites on a certain day. Esther found out about it. She came and was going to intervene and go. How many of you would just, you know, in America we kind of think we... Some of us are audacious enough to think we could do this. You know, just go marching into the White House and go right up in there in the Oval Office and put your hand on the desk of the president and say, Mr. President, and ask something of him. You know, I mean, there's a, probably a few audacious Americans that would probably try that. But most of us, no, 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 we wouldn't. We're not just going to bust in there. Basically, Esther was in a scenario where she had to just bust in and see King Ahasuerus, which just is way more... Um, how do I describe it? You don't just go walking in there to a king like this, especially, you know, a woman. But she realized, I'm gonna ha I know about this situation with the Jews, and I need to go and talk to the king and intervene right away and go into his presence. And what she did was, look what, she's, look what she did. She added uh, fasting to this crisis. Chapter 4, 15... 16, then Esther bade them answer, pardon me, bade them return the answer, Mordecai this answer. She's telling Mordecai what she's going to do. Go gather all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast ye for me. Either eat, and neither eat nor drink three days and night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise, and so will I go in unto the king which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. That's kind of like the theme verse in, that, in this book. And she said, well, I'm going to go and I'm going to do something that is not normal and it's not even according to the law. But I have to do this for the sake of all the, these people who could die. I have to intervene and get the king to stop this thing. 
and get Mordecai, get everybody fasting for me that are in the palace there that you're over, and I'll get my maidens, we'll fasting too, and I'm going to go. And, and she did something. Now, again, think about this again. When you do something that grave, that serious, it's wise to do it in a state of fasting or after a state of fasting because you approached it with a sober mind, we trust, and with much prayer, and that's what she did. She's trying to confirm the Lord's direction to seek it, to seek some help. Um, Nehemiah 1.4, look at Nehemiah. Nehemiah had heard how the he was in uh, also in captivity in Shushan. And it says in Nehemiah 1.4, he heard about how bad things were back in his home country. And it says in Nehemiah 1.4, when it came to pass when I heard these things, I, that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And there's a twofold uh, benefit of his fast here. He fasted in order to assist in his mourning, and he fasted in order to uh, confirm and seek, find, and get God's direction. And he got that at the end of the chapter. He was praying, God, what do I do? Uh, help me to find a way to get back and get these walls rebuilt. And, and before he spoke to that king in his day, he went, in, he went on the heels of fasting. Again, approaching something very seriously um, on the heels of fasting is wise. That's what we see. I'm just putting us, I'm laying bare the examples in Scripture before us today. I like Acts 13. Follow me there. Acts 13, as we mentioned earlier, this is a very relevant example for us as a church. In the book of Acts, one of the dynamic churches in the book of Acts was the church that was in Antioch. Antioch would be... Syria would be north of Israel. And in that church, there were several prophets and teachers. A couple of them were Barnabas and Paul. And it says there in Acts 13, 2, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. Okay, so you have two missionaries. They're called, we're called to be missionaries. And it happened on the heels, or in the context of fasting. In fact, more people than just they were fasting, it looks like. And even before they, it's kind of like this. Hey, Sunday night church service in Antioch. Of course, they probably didn't do it just like us. But I just want you to know the Lord's called us to be missionaries. Saul and Barnabas, we've, we believe the Lord's called us. And there's some other people in the church. Yes, yeah, I know we've been fasting too. We just feel like that's the Lord's plan. Yes, amen, all right. You know what? But that weren't done right then. It says they still fasted. Look what it says, verse 3. And when they fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. It looks like they still did it a little bit more. Okay, you guys want to be missionaries? You think God's called? Yeah, okay. All right, let's just fast a little more about that. And then before they sent them off, laid hands on them. It's like their ordination, and they sent them off. Because this isn't just some, you know, you know, some of us, we get, we kind of like, we're in our homes on Saturday, and we just be like, you know what? I think I just want to go. I did this the other day. I think I just want to go buy a, I did this with my boys a couple weeks ago. Let's go get some steak. You know? And you just jump up, and we go buy some steak, and then we come home, and they just thought I was the best dad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just kind of, 
you know, off the off the cuff there, spontaneous. This isn't just some spontaneous thing. You know what, Barnabas? You're a pretty good guy. Why don't we just be missionaries? I kind of like to travel the world anyways, you know. No, it wasn't like that. This was serious. And they, and they, and they fasted in it. The purpose, what is the purpose of fasting? To seek and confirm the Lord's direction. Before you make a large purpose purchase, you might consider that. Especially before you make a relationship decision, you should consider that. Before we... Uh, have done, uh, as a pastor, certain things I thought were significant and big. You know, I don't want to tell you all of them, but I, I would do that. And, and, and I encourage you to, to consider that as well. Let me just say these next three, and I'll, I'll try to say them briefly, and then we'll close. A, two, a few more purposes in fasting is to assist in one's mourning. You see that in 2 Samuel 1.12, Nehemiah 1, 1.4, Psalm 35, verse 13. Did you know, sometimes it helps you to really sober up and cry when you ought to cry. Uh, I, I remember there's been funerals that either my own family member, somebody in the church, or somebody else helping. I remember there was times it was almost like I felt like, you know what, I'm just not going to eat today. And it wasn't always because I just wasn't hungry. And I understand sometimes when a bad thing happens, you're just not hungry. But I felt like I needed to just stop and let this thing sink in of this person dying. And it helped. And I really got to mourn and I really got to think on them. And then I, and this was years ago when I first did this. It was with my, my dad's dad died. And then I started looking at the Bible like, that's what they did in the Bible. And I realized that, you know, they would do that because they really wanted to mourn. Sometimes you can just kind of be not, if you're constantly consuming you're not always clear-headed, you know. You might have too much of that sugar, too much of that uh, carbs, too much of the caffeine, and just sometimes just, just tone it down so you can sober up about what just happened. And that's a purpose in fasting. Um, number three, we see another purpose, and it's linked to number two here, is also to assist in one's repentance over sin. Nehemiah 9.1 is an example. Jonah 3 Verses 5 to, I think it's about verse 10, where the Ninevites did it. And Joel chapter 2, verses 12 to 14. These are texts where you see that God <clears throat> has confronted people. You're in trouble. You're in, you're in sin or a whole nation. I'm going to destroy this nation, like the Ninevites. I'm going to destroy this nation. And they went, oh, and they rent their clothes, and, and they had everybody fast. They didn't even let the animals eat. I don't think it was maybe three days or something like that. And they just were mourning over their sin. And um, God used that. And in, some, in these cases, God changed his mind about what he was going to do in punishing them. You know, sometimes if we have a besetting sin, man, I'm just not con just confessing it back to God. I'm still doing it. Or whatever, you have some besetting sin. Sometimes you just need to add an element of fasting to just subdue the flesh. And that helps. And then number four, to get a breakthrough over demonic opposition. Let's read that in Matthew 17, 21. I mentioned this this morning. The purpose of fasting, to seek and confirm the Lord's direction, to assist in one's mourning, to assist in repentance over sin, and then to get a breakthrough over demonic opposition. Matthew 17 We'll read verses 14 to 21. 
you consider this carefully, when they were come to the multitude, that is, Jesus and two of the other disciples, three of the other disciples, they came to the rest of the multitude. There came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed, for oft times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. And I besought, pardon me, and I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Now here, notice this, verse 19. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart, that is separately from the multitude, they're kind of embarrassed. They said, why could not we cast him out? And listen to Jesus' answer. And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. I, I take that last phrase to mean this kind, this demonic situation, this demon does not go out except by prayer and fasting. We have demonic things around us. I mean, they don't want us to see them, but they're about us. First, they're spirits in a way we can't see them, but they don't want us to consider them. They want us to explain it away with other stuff. But there's demonic oppression. There's demonic possession. There's demonic uh, resistance to us. And sometimes when it's constant and continual in your life or in the life of somebody else that you're dealing with, this kind can go out perhaps by prayer and fasting. And a breakthrough here, that's what I see in this passage that Jesus is saying another purpose for fasting. Um. So, we've been baptized, but how many have fasted? It's mentioned more often than that. Isn't that interesting? I'm going to just say a couple things and we'll close this up. Um, you know, you don't have to, this is not about, God, I'm going to starve myself unless you help me. You know, you don't hold your starvation hostage, you know, or your food hostage with God. God, it's not about that. Uh, we're not any more loved Fasting, it's just showing God you're earnest. It, humble, it does something to you. It does more to us than it does to God. And um, I'm just seeing there's a, there's a, there's a, discipline, there's a Christian discipline that it's, we can voluntarily take up. And I'm just encouraging us. I'm not trying to starve the whole church. I'm saying, consider maybe how you could do this. Um, again, in at least one aspect as we go into revival meetings. Abstain from... Sometime in a drink, or one meal a day, or once during the week, just at one time during the week, something. And take that time, extra time in prayer and meditation and see what God does in all this.